Today we're going to wrap up a series uh, that we began four weeks ago entitled Equal But Not the Same. And we began talking about how do we celebrate our differences and really how do we move to a place of what we've called relational harmony, right? Where we begin to come together uh, and even though we are different, right, uh, we can work together for the glory of God in our families, on our jobs, in our churches, and in our communities. And we can see God really do some amazing, astounding things. And so we just began by simply uh, asking the question, what is equality, right? In Galatians 3... Uh, gives us really probably I believe one of the greatest biblical definitions of equality it says for you are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus and there is no longer Jew or Gentile slave or free male and female for you are all one in Christ Jesus and now that you belong to Christ you are the true children of Abraham you are his heirs and God's promise to Abraham belongs to you so we said that equality in Christ, right? Equality in Christ means that everyone has the same value, liberty, access, and opportunities, but everyone doesn't have the same roles and responsibilities. We are equal, but we're not the same, right? The Apostle Paul said, in Christ there's neither male nor female, there's neither Jew nor Gentile, uh, there is neither slave nor free. He, he was clearly defining the reality that even though we are different, there is an equality in Christ. And we have different roles and we have different responsibilities. But there is an equal value. There is an equal liberty in Christ Jesus. Everybody in this room is significant and important. And every role that you play in life is significant and important in what God is wanting to do in the world. And here's a great thought. We actually need each other. Right? We actually need the diversity and the difference that surrounds us, we need that difference in our lives because we're going to see today, I hope even a little more clearly, that it is through that diversity and that difference that God produces something astounding and amazing called His kingdom in our hearts and in our world as we live for Him. Amen? So we said that when we learn to celebrate our differences and honor them, we experience the anointing, refreshing and blessing of God that comes through unity and harmony. And how many of you understand God really does love unity and harmony? It is the thing that God anoints. It is the thing that God blesses. It is the thing that God pours His Spirit out upon. God pours out His Spirit upon unity and harmony. And that's why I said a while ago, I believe that what God is doing through the local churches in Arab, Alabama is one of the greatest things happening in North Alabama. Why? Because God loves it. When the body of Christ comes together, amen? Because I believe that God is looking not for a move of God in a local church. I believe God's wanting to set a city on fire for him, amen? What would happen if Arab Alabama really got revived? What would happen if this city got saved, set free, and made whole by the power of the Holy Spirit? You talk about a transformational move of God, it wouldn't be a liberty thing or a First Baptist thing or a First Methodist thing. It would be a Jesus thing, amen? And we would all be a part of something so great and so glorious and so amazing that the world would stand in awe and God would shake a nation with a little city in Arab, Alabama that could turn a world upside down. Amen? What an awesome thing. So God really does anoint, honor, and value when we come together for His glory. 
So we said, how do we celebrate and honor our differences? The first thing we looked at a few weeks ago, we said we have to define our differences. We have to clarify our roles and our responsibilities. And we talked about how that really does free us, right? Whenever I define my role and my responsibility, and you define your role and your responsibility, it frees us from false expectations and false responsibility. And then it empowers us to begin to operate in the place God has anointed us to operate in. And it also enables us then to begin to celebrate other people because we begin to see the value and the validity of what God is doing in the different people that are all around us. Amen? And so we looked last Sunday and we said, so once we define our differences, we have to celebrate and honor the role and responsibilities that we currently have. Individually, we have got to learn how to celebrate and honor our role, right? We said we have to embrace the value of what God has called us to do in this season of our life. And we said, even if you may not like this season of your life, right, the key that unlocks the door to a new season in your life is that you embrace this season in your life. You have a current role and responsibility. This season of your life brings with it a current role and responsibility. And if you and I are faithful in that role and responsibility in this season of our life, it unlocks the door. Because if I can't learn to celebrate who I am in Christ, I'm going to have a hard time learning to celebrate who you are in Christ. Because we talked about Korah last week, right? We talked about jealousy and envy and how that jealousy and envy undermines what God wants to do because it keeps us from uniting and working together because I want to do what you do and you want to do what I do and all of a sudden nobody's doing what they're supposed to do and everything starts to fall out of place. And so we understand that it is significant that we celebrate our role. And I hope you went home last Sunday with a greater value and understanding of how significant and important you are and the role that you play. And that as you embrace that role, God repositions you, right? We said it's not about promotion. The kingdom of God is not about promotion. The kingdom of God is about being repositioned. Right, promotion signifies that if I'm promoted, it means now I'm more valuable or more important than I was before. God doesn't operate out of a promotion mentality. God operates out of a position mentality. Every position is equally important and valuable. We have equal value but different roles. And when you begin to embrace that and understand the significance of who you are and where God has placed you, all of a sudden you can fully give yourself to that thing. And when you fully give yourself to that season and that role in your life, it then, it then positions you to be repositioned in a new season and a new role and a new responsibility as God matures you and grows you because we are all valuable in the kingdom of God. So today I want to give us three ways. I want to kind of kind of give us three really practical ways that we can honor and celebrate our differences. And before I give you the three ways, we're going to look at 1 Corinthians 12 and I want to give you three revelations that are going to really help us do that. Three revelations and then I'm going to give you three very practical ways to honor and celebrate our differences. So 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 4 through 7 says this. There are different kinds of spiritual gifts but the same Spirit is the source of them all. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but it's the same God who does the work in all of us. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. Look back at verse 4, because there's three things here I want us to see, three revelations that I really believe frees us to begin to celebrate and honor the differences in our life. The first thing he says is there are different kinds of spiritual gifts. 
but it's the same spirit that is the source of them all. How many of you understand that you are divinely different on purpose? God is the source of them all. Look what he says. There are different kinds of gifts. How many understand, not only do we have different spiritual gifts, we have different personalities. We have been divinely shaped by God in a unique way, in a unique form, in a unique fashion. And here's the revelation. The revelation is, is that our differences are divinely orchestrated. God made us different on purpose. You're not different because God messed up. Right? You're not different because God messed up. You're different because God divinely orchestrated you because there is a unique element of himself that he wants to manifest in the world through your life that we all need. Right? I need you and you need me. And we have been divinely orchestrated to be different from one another. If you're here today and you have children or grandchildren, isn't it amazing how different your own kids can be? And you wonder, you look at your kids and you think, how did you come from the same two people? I don't understand that, right? Right? Because your kids are just different. They have different gifts. They have different personalities. They have a different bent toward life. Some of them are very passive. Some of them are very aggressive. Some of them are very obedient. Some of them are very not obedient. And the reality is, is man, our kids are different. But let me tell you something about different. Different isn't wrong. It's just different. Different isn't wrong. It's just different. Now, I'm not talking about sin. Sin's wrong. Okay? So I'm not talking about sin, I'm not talking about carnal behavior, I'm not talking about perverted acts, I'm talking about the fact that people are just different, your kids are different, you're different, you're different than your spouse. Somebody say praise God, right, isn't that a good thing? I don't know about you, I don't want to marry me. I want to marry Kelly, not me, right? And so difference is good, different is not wrong, different is good we are equal but we're not the same but if you don't embrace that if you don't get that revelation that different is not wrong then what happens is because how many of you understand that is our natural tendency our natural tendency is that if you're different than me then there's probably something wrong with you and we tend to push people away instead of pull people near now why is this important why is this revelation important that there are different gifts but God is the source of them all why is that important because it demands this this revelation places a demand on us and this is what it demands it demands that we be intentionally relational intentionally relational in other words I'm gonna have to be on purpose about cultivating relationships with people that are different from me now, my kids uh, have all grown up. we got three kids. Two of them are grown and married. One's still living at home. And all three of our kids grew up in our house, and we've had the same rules and the same standards since we've had kids. Our rules and our, our standards have not changed. We've tried to base them to the best of our ability upon what we believe the Word of God teaches for our family and for a believer. And so our rules and our standards for our family has not changed. But let me tell you what does change. The way we administer those rules and regulations to our kids is different. The way I talk to one child is a little different than the way I talk to another child. My demeanor with one child is a little different than my demeanor with another child. My tone of voice with one child is a little different than my tone of voice with another child. Why? Because my kids are different. And it is a foolish, unwise thing. It is a foolish and unwise thing to expect the world to adjust to you. 
you're going to find yourself alone. Nobody's going to want to be around you. It is a foolish and unwise thing to expect the entire world to adjust to you. And this is how I like to do it. So this is the way we're going to have to do it in every relationship and in every situation and every circumstance because this is who I am. How prideful and arrogant we can be. How many of you understand that if you are a parent or a grandparent, if you are a husband or a wife, if you are a mom or a dad, you have a spiritual responsibility to intentionally, relationally connect with your children, even though they are radically different than you. The burden of relational connectivity does not lie on the child. It lies on the adult. Why? Because you're the adult. Right? It relies on you. And the thing that I have learned in all relationships, when you go from the family to the job, the mature people relationally adjust to work with different people. The immature people expect everybody to adjust to them. When you come to church, the mature people relationally adjust. The immature people expect other people to adjust to them. And so when all of a sudden I realize that God made us different on purpose and he is the source of our differences, right? So if you want to blame God that your kids are different, you can go ahead and blame God, but you're probably just going to have to get past that sometime. Because God's not going to change. He's the only one that gets to not change. But how many of you know that God does change in the sense that God individually ministers to us the way we can receive it? See, God talks to me in a way he does not talk to Kelly. And God talks to you maybe in a way he does not talk to me. Why does God do that? Because God is relationally intentional. He hasn't changed his holiness or his righteousness or his character or his integrity, but he is relationally intentional because he values every single person because we are equal but not the same. And so we get that revelation and all of a sudden it places this little demand on me that says, okay, Keith, I have a spiritual responsibility to be relationally intentional with the people that God has brought into my life. And if I will do that, I can begin to honor and celebrate our differences. Because you're not wrong, we're just different. And all of a sudden when I realize you're not wrong, we're just different, it somehow tears down this little wall that says, well, if you're not wrong and we're just different, then maybe we can actually get along. And so God is calling us to that. Look at the second aspect of this scripture. I want you to see this. The next verse. He says there are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. This is huge. Different kinds of service because we serve the same Lord. Now, we're going to talk specifically about the church. This scripture in context is really about the church. It's not about the family, even though it applies to the family, but it's about the church. So in this, in, in this verse, he says there are different kinds of service, but we all serve the same Lord. What, what's the revelation here? I want you, I want you to see this because this is huge. I believe that every person should be passionate about their area of service and ministry. I believe you ought to think that your ministry is the most important ministry in the world to you. But it's not the most important ministry in the world. 
it's the most important ministry in the world to you, but it's not the most important ministry in the world. Why? Because we're different, we're not wrong, we're equal, but we're not the same. And this is what happens in the church. People get passionate about ministry. I hope you're passionate about serving God. I hope you're passionate about ministry. And let me encourage you, if you're not serving God currently in the local church, I have people tell me all the time, Pastor Keith, I want you to know I'm, I'm, I'm serving the Lord on my job. I'm serving the Lord in my family. But they're not serving God in the church. Why would you segregate this area of your Christian life? Why would you serve God in your family, serve God on your job, and then come to church and just be an attender when God intended you to be a member, actually a minister of the gospel to help other people connect with God? So if you are not serving in the local church here at Liberty, then step four, which is today during the 11 o'clock service, we're going to help you find out the ministry opportunities that are available and best suited for you so you can find a place that you can serve God effectively and efficiently for His glory because we need you. Let me tell you something. You need us. Right? There is a, there is a significance, there is a, there, is, there is a fulfillment that comes when you begin to serve others in the kingdom of God. So, I believe you should be passionate about ministry, but this is what happens. Sometimes we get so passionate about our ministry that we somehow assume that the way we serve God is really the right way to serve God. And if you're not serving God the way I'm serving God, then you're probably not serving God. Now, we don't necessarily say that, but what happens is, is, is we begin to project this idea, right, that, hey, I'm passionate about prayer, I'm passionate about preaching and teaching, I'm passionate about children's ministry, I'm passionate about youth ministry, I'm passionate about celebrate recovery ministry, I'm passionate about the jail ministry, I'm passionate about all these different ministries, and all of a sudden, if we're not careful, our passion for what God has called us to do will actually become a device of spirit in the church. Because we will begin to become critical of other people because they're not supporting my ministry. And they're not praying like I pray or preaching like I preach or working with kids like I work. Or they're not evangelizing like I evangelize or they're not discipling like I disciple. And if you're not doing what I'm doing, then you're probably not serving God. How many know that is foolishness and wrong? And it causes contention and strife in the church. People begin to get jealous and envious of other areas of ministry because they have more people or this people or that people that are serving and working there. Let me just say this to you. Your ministry is the most important ministry in the world to you. But it's not the most important ministry in the world. All ministry is equally important. Look what Jesus said. There are different types of service, but we all serve the same Lord. So the guy ushering and the girl, the lady changing the diapers and the, and the people cleaning the toilets during the week that you never meet or talk to or know who their names are, they are all doing an equally important role in the kingdom of God. And their service to God is just as important as your service to God, even though you never, quote, cross paths in those areas of ministry. Their ministry is just as valuable as your ministry because we're all equal and not the same. And all of a sudden what begins to happen when I grab hold of that now I can work with you and I can work with you and I can work with you and all of a sudden our different ministries can actually fuel and feed and encourage each other because we can now work together for a common goal which is the glory of God, winning souls, making disciples, destroying the works of the devil, reaching out and raising people up in their full potential in Christ and all of a sudden we can begin to see God do amazing, astounding things. 
But if I don't ever get that revelation, then it creates a spirit of contention on the inside of me where I become, where I become critical of other people. Let me give you a great testimony. There was a gentleman in our church, his name was, was, was Gary. Brother Gary was a soul-winning maniac. Many of you people know him. I mean, a soul-winning maniac. Guy won more souls. I mean, I, I can't even imagine. I mean, him and Billy Graham are probably competing in heaven today. Gary is probably telling Billy right now, no, I think I won one more than you. <laughs> love souls, love souls, love souls. But Brother Gary had a challenge. Brother Gary's challenge was, as awesome of a man as he was, as much of a soul winner as he was, he had a challenge. This was his challenge. He didn't understand this verse. He never got this revelation. And because he was so passionate about winning souls, he could never stay in a church long enough. He could never stay in one church long enough to have to raise up other people to do what he did. Because he would get offended at the fact that everybody wasn't doing what he was doing. And if you weren't doing what he was doing, his ministry was the most important ministry. And if you weren't doing what he was doing, then you probably weren't serving God. And you need to start serving God. And I can't believe you're not serving God because you're not doing what I'm doing. And as a result of that, as awesome a man as he was, a soul winner as he was, he never stayed anywhere long enough where he could raise up an army. And he's dead and went home to be with Jesus right now. And I wonder who's carrying on his mantle. It matters, guys. This little revelation matters. We are different, not wrong. We are equal, but not the same. And every service, ministry unto the Lord matters. It matters. The third revelation. Let me give you this. God works in different ways, but is the same God who does the work in all of us. God works in different ways, but is the same God who does the work in all of us. The natural tendency of our flesh is we interpret God by our experience. We interpret God by our experience. So there's kind of two extremes here. There are the people that have this supernatural encounter with God, and instantly God changes everything. Right? Some of you are that people. That, that's some of you right now, when I just said that, that's your life. That is your testimony. You had an encounter with God, and in a moment, God changed everything. And then there are other people who it wasn't an instantaneous moment. They had an encounter with God, but that encounter with God began a process. A process of change and transformation that, that maybe took a week, a month, a year, three years, five years. Hey, I'm 46 years into this thing. God's still working on me. Amen? But here, here's the problem. The, the, the Scripture says... God works differently. Look what it said there. God works in different ways. God works in different ways, but it's the same God who does the work in all of us. Now, if you're not careful, you will define God by your experience. And then when other people don't experience God in the way that you experience God, you will begin to become, listen to this, critical of them because if they would have just been open like I was open to God, if they would have just been obedient like I was obedient, if they would have been as hungry as I was as hungry for God, if they would have just been as submitted as I was submitted, if they would have just been as ready as I was ready, then, then they would have got what I got the way I got it, wrong. God works in different ways in all of us, but it is God who does the work. And when I get that critical spirit, guess what happens? I can't celebrate your little victory because you didn't get a victory like me. 
And so instead of me celebrating your little victory, I'm becoming critical of you because you're not more like me because if you'd have been more like me, you'd have got what God had for you in a moment instead of it taking six years for you to get there. Now, I understand we got to cooperate with God, and I understand you have to be a laborer together with what God wants to do. But at the end of the day, that kind of critical thinking is rooted in pride and arrogance that has somehow re removed God from the equation. Look what the Scripture said. Look, I'm going to read it again. God works in different ways, but it is the same God who does the work in all of us. Guess who does the work? God does the work in all of us. If God does the work instantly, that's awesome. If God does the work progressively, that's awesome because it's God at work. How many know if people are changing and growing and maturing in Christ, it's always God? Whether it happens in a moment or in a lifetime, it is God. And when we begin to get that revelation that God works in different ways, but it's still God that does the work, all of a sudden I can celebrate your victory, even if your victory doesn't look like my victory. And I can eradicate pride out of my heart because I can't take credit for my own deliverance. It wasn't that I was hungrier than you. It wasn't that I was more ready than you. It wasn't any of that. It was just that, that, I, that, that God did a work in me and by his grace and his mercy there was a work there that happened in a season and a time and I don't really understand it and I wish I could take credit for it but let's just be real honest, you can't and neither can I. So the best thing to do is step back from that, take God out of the box, free your other believers in Christ, and say, hey, let's celebrate together the little things, the big things, and all the things in between that God is doing in each of us, because if anything good's happening, it's got to be God. Amen? And then we can begin to celebrate who he is in a big, big way. So let me give you three practical things real quick. I hope that was practical, let me give you three more. Three revelations now, three applications. Here we go. How do we celebrate and honor differences in other people's lives? Number one, you have to make room. You have to make room in your life and on your team for people that are different from you. you got to make room. The worst thing that can happen is for you to surround yourself with people that are just like you. The worst thing that can happen is that you can surround yourself with people just like you. Now, let's be honest. In marriage, we talk about in marriage, opposites attract, right? And how many of you know that's kind of true a lot of times? We usually don't marry ourselves, praise God. We marry somebody different from us. And you know what? Sometimes that can be the most frustrating thing on the planet, right? Sometimes you can get so frustrated with your spouse because they don't see what you see and they don't think like you think and they don't act like you act and they go like, they go, I mean, you're going straight and they're taking this 50 mile around and you're like, what in the world are you doing? And sometimes we can get so frustrated over their differences, but you know what I know? I know that all of us, if we would just, in a, in a calm moment, look at our marriages, we could, we could all, every one of us could honestly say, it is our differences that has made us stronger. It is our differences that has navigated us through the storms of life. It is our differences that has sustained us and empowered us to overcome the challenges that we are facing in our family, in our world, in our culture. It is the fact that she sees things different than I see things and he approaches things different than I approach things. It is those differences that, yes, they frustrate us sometimes, but at the end of the day, big picture... It's those differences that make us better and stronger than we could ever be before. You and I have got to make room for people. 
that are different than us. Make room in our lives. Make room on our teams, our family team, our, our work teams, our church teams. we got to make room for people that are different than us. And let me give you one word why that's so important. One word, blind spots. Blind spots. Why do you need different people in your life? Because you have blind spots. I have blind spots. See, you have a very, whether you and I want to admit it or not, each of us, we have a very limited, narrow perception on life. We interpret life through our knowledge, our experience, and our past. What we know, who we know, and what we experience has become the periscope through which we view the world. And guess what? Everybody has blind spots. Everybody has areas in their life that they just don't see it. They don't see the opportunity. They don't see the problem. They don't see the great chance that God has given them, and they don't see the great snare that the devil's bringing against them. We all have blind spots. You and I need different people in our lives because we all have blind spots, and they're going to see what you don't see. They're going to hear what you don't hear. They're going to perceive what you don't perceive. They're going to know what you don't know. And all of a sudden, when you bring all that together, guess what happens? Amazing things begin to happen. When a bunch of people that are just alike get together, they usually end up going nowhere. Because they are consistently tripped up by the blind spots that nobody in the room sees because everybody in the room is looking through the same pair of glasses. It's uncomfortable to bring different people into your life, right? Personalities, well, I just don't like them. They're just kind of, they rub me the wrong way. I, I found out a long time ago, I need people that rub me the wrong way in my life consistently. You know why? Because many times I'm going the wrong way. See, we automatically assume we're always going the right way. Oh, come on, get over your pride. You're not always going the right way. You're not always seeing all you need to see. You need people to rub you the wrong way because sometimes you need to turn around and go in a brand new direction because you were blinded by your own pride and arrogance. And it is so huge. So we got to make room for people and invite them in to our lives because we need a different perspective. We need different knowledge. We need different information because it helps us be better then we could ever be alone. The second thing, the second point, we got to learn to celebrate their differences privately and publicly. In other words, you got to start praising the people that are different from you. It's easy to praise the people that are like you because somehow when we praise the people that are like us, it's kind of like we're patting ourselves on the back and that feels good, right? But we got to celebrate. we got to learn to praise the people that are different from us. We need to praise them publicly and we need to praise them privately. There needs to be public praise and private praise. I try, to, I try to bring praise into people's life privately. I try to tell people how much I appreciate them and how thankful I are for them and what a great job you're doing, and I'm really grateful for that. But you know what? It's really great when you can do it not just privately but publicly. Let me tell you men something. The greatest thing you can do for your relationship with your wife is when you go out on a great a date or you're with a group of people, just take a moment while everybody's eating dinner and talk about how awesome your wife is publicly. 
It's great that in private you tell her how much you appreciate her and how much you love her and how great she is, what an awesome wife, what an awesome mother she is. But when you're out in a group and there's three or four couples of friends around there, or maybe you're at church or you're in a small group and you have an opportunity, I'm not talking about fake something, I'm talking about in a real moment, a real opportunity, just talk about how great your wife is. You, you want to watch her light up? You want to see her face put on this biggest smile? She might blush and say, oh, don't say that. And then when you get home, she's like, I'm so glad you said that. Thank you. You know what, ladies? The same works for your husband. Same works for your husband. Let me just give you a great little example. Brother Jim, I don't know if many of you know Brother Jim. Brother Jim Posfar is one of our elders here at the church. And, and Brother Jim is an awesome man. He is a behind-the-scenes kind of guy. He's our financial elder. And uh, me and Brother Jim are probably just about as opposite as you can be. And we have had some wonderful discussions over the years. Because I'm looking at people and he's looking at money. And I'm looking at people and he's looking at money. And I got this great vision and we're going to do this and we're going to do this and we're going to change this and we're going to take this and we're going to change the world. And Brother Jim says, well, how much does that cost and how are you going to get there and how are you going to sustain that? And what is the long-term plan for financially keeping that thing afloat? Because you know what? It's going to cost money. Changing lives actually costs you something. And I tell Brother Jim all the time, Brother Jim, I tell him, I love you so much. I am so thankful for you in my life because you rub me the wrong way almost every day. <laughs> and let me just tell you something. I promise you the feeling is totally mutual. I frustrate the far out of him, right? Every time I open my mouth, I'm talking about this and that and vision and enlarging and going this and doing that. And Brother Jim has just got money, dollar signs, calculating in his head. And he's like, does this guy not think? But you know what? He is so valuable. He is so valuable. We wouldn't be here today without him. We would not be. I'm just telling you. We, we wouldn't be here today without him. We'd have a handful of people that really were loved, but that would be about it because it takes money to reach people, and I like people, and he's really good with money. So that's a great combination. But I have to on purpose, and he has to on purpose, continue, continue to cultivate that relationship. It would be really easy to get frustrated with each other. It would be really easy to push back from one another. But we don't. We pull in. We pull in. We pull in. We pull in. Why? Because he knows he needs the vision of God that's on the inside of me, and I need the wisdom of God that's on the inside of him. And as a church, we need everybody doing their role and their responsibility so we can be what God's called us to be. Amen? And so I just want to take a moment this morning and praise him. Y'all just, when y'all see Brother Jim, you may not even know what he looks like. Y'all just tell him how important he is, how much you appreciate what he does. For almost 20 years, he's been, he's been overseeing the finances of this church. Him and Anita came in, I think, on the second service we had, and they've been with us ever since. And Brother Jim's just one little example of different people that are around us that make us better. And when you begin to celebrate them, personally and publicly, it makes a big difference, guys. It makes a big difference. Last point, and then we've got a closing point, so that would be two. Aren't y'all glad Brother Jim counts? <laughs> we celebrate and honor differences when we defer to others who are more qualified than you. When you defer to others who are more qualified than you. Let me give you a great thought. Andy Stanley said this. He said, just because you have the authority to make the decision doesn't mean you're the most qualified person to make the decision. 
Just because you have the authority to make the decision doesn't mean you're the most qualified person to make the decision. And so one of the things we do, one of the ways we honor and celebrate our differences is we defer to other people. We defer to other people. Brother Force Van Zandt, he's now officially Dr. Force Van Zandt, him and Dr. Lisa Van Zandt. I mean, they got these big old long time, and they got that last name, Van Zandt. That thing's like four miles long anyway. <laughs> They're putting all these, all these degrees in front of their names and behind their names. It's amazing. People come to me all the time. They ask me Bible questions. And I say, you didn't go talk to Forrest. <laughs> well, well, Pastor Keith, you're the pastor. Aren't you supposed to know all this stuff? Absolutely not. I know a lot, but I don't know everything. And he's a whole lot smarter than me. He is a Bible scholar. He is a genius. I call him that all the time to his face. I say, Forrest, you are a genius. And I defer people to him all the time. People come to me, and, and everybody wants the pastor to counsel them, right? I mean, because Pastor Keith, you know, he's just, just, we love Pastor Keith, and he loves us. And Pastor Keith, if you just counsel me, everything will be okay. And, and I'm, I'm a once-and-done counselor. And I tell people, when they come to me for counseling, I'll say, hey, I'll meet with you one time, and after that, you don't want me anymore. And the reason you don't want me anymore is because we have qualified counselors in our church that actually went to school for counseling. I didn't do that. I didn't go to school for counseling. We got people in our church. We have a whole counseling ministry. People that literally went to Bible college for Christian counseling. That have a heart, a vision, and a passion to minister to people and counsel them long term. To walk them through the process of victory and freedom. So I'm a once and done kind of guy. You come to me, I'll counsel you one time. And then I'm going to pass you on to somebody a whole lot more qualified than me. And you will thank me at the end of the day that I did that. Because they're better than I am. That's how we honor our differences. We defer. We defer to the person that's most qualified. Maybe you're the most qualified. If you are, then make the decision, do what needs to be done. But if you're not, just because you have the authority to do it, don't do it. Defer. Defer, right? We've got Nick and our creative team. We've got an awesome creative team. I mean, we work that creative team. I mean, like, we work them hard. Like every day we load their wagon, right? Every time somebody has a good idea, you got to have a graphic, you got to have an image, you got to have a logo, you got to have a Facebook banner, you got to have an Instagram post, right? You got to have something we're going to print, something we're going to hand out, something we're going to duplicate. And guess what? That stuff doesn't come easy. So I get these great ideas, right? I have full ideas. I got lots of ideas. I get all these great ideas, and I, 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 I share my idea with the creative team and say, this is what I want, and then I give it to them, and I say, make it better. And they do every single time. Why? Because just because you have the idea don't mean you can make the graphic for it. Just because you have the idea doesn't mean you know how to do all the other stuff that needs to happen to get it all done. And so I defer to these folks. And when they bring stuff back, yes, I give some input. But at the end of the day, I try to honor the gift and the talent that they have because, hey, they're good at what they do. And you have people just like that in your family, on your job, in the church. When we celebrate and honor each other, we defer, right? I defer to others. And you know what happens when somebody comes to Brother Force and says, Hey, I got Brother Force, I got this Bible question, and Pastor Keith told me to come talk to you. You know what that does for unity in the church? Force don't walk away and say, I can't believe Pastor Keith keeps sending all these people to me. No, he walks away and says, Man, I'm thankful Pastor Keith has confidence in me. That I know what I'm talking about when I open the Word of God and teach His truth. 
it doesn't weaken our relationship. It strengthens our relationship. Because he knows that I value and honor his gift. And that's what we do, guys, when we celebrate. Last thought. Here we go. God made us equal but not the same. Why did he do that? So we can help each other become healthy, growing, and full of love. So we can help each other become healthy, growing, and full of love. I don't know about you guys. Let me just be real honest with you. I need help. (laughs) I need help. And if you'll be honest, you can say the same thing. How does that happen? It happens when we realize we are equal, but we're not the same. And we begin to honor and celebrate one another. Let's pray.